Yo, 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 let's cut the music and let's dive straight into this. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World. I'm your host, Kane Sims, and uh, running a little bit behind schedule today. Uh, apologies for that, those of you tuning in on LinkedIn and YouTube. We uh, Critically, I had uh, left the key in the door, in the back of the door, so my wife and child couldn't get into the house, which is uh, always fun in games when you've got a dog downstairs yapping and barking and going absolutely crazy thinking that there's a burglar outside uh, and so, so so there we go trials and tribulations uh, but welcome to VUX World a quick shout out to our sponsor Deepgram uh, presenting sponsor for VUX World Deepgram is one of the leading automatic speech recognition providers on the market uh, the accuracy rates are incredible over 90% in many instances crucially unlike some other providers you can actually retrain their models so that if you're working with a specific use case uh, let's say I don't know you're in banking and you've got customers that are referring to certain product types or, um, you know, credit cards or certain whatever it might be, have certain lexicons around your uh, niche industry, you can retrain these models to get even higher accuracy. And as I always say, if you put crap in, you get crap out, which means that if you're building voice assistants and voice bots, if you don't have a high-performance speech recognition, you're not feeding the right amount of data or the right data to your NLU, and therefore the whole thing breaks down. And so if you are in the market for speech recognition technologies, not just for building voice bots, but for building any kind of application that requires translating spoken data into text, uh, then do check out check out DeepGram. Uh, you can do that by visiting deepgram.com forward slash VUX world. That is deepgram.com dot com forward slash vux world shout out to the team at deep ground for sponsoring the well the last actual episode of vux world before the new year uh, so merry christmas to everybody at deep ground and also merry christmas to our guest today stefan Scherer. stefan welcome to vux world hi kane thanks for having me excited no to to talk to you about uh, robots. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What I've missed today from today's episode, which uh, I used to do at Christmas time, but I stopped it because when you when people watch this video back again in like you know March, April, whenever it is, as people do, it doesn't look quite right. But I'll I'll, sh- I'll, I'll give you a demonstration of what I almost wore for today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> which is this Christmas jumper, which I like because. Uh, ironically, Santa is actually pulling the reindeer on the sleigh, uh, not the other way around. So, yeah, there you go. That was what I almost wear, but I thought I'd keep it evergreen today. It's a it's a great ugly sweater. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have a cringy Christmas jumper, I think. But yeah, so we're going to be talking about uh, talking robots today, uh, which is a topic I've been wanting to chat about for quite a long time because it seems to me that there is certainly an emerging trend around not just in-home robots, which is likely what we're going to talk most about today, but general robotics across the board, you know, from your likes of factories to all kinds of different areas where we're seeing kind of robotics and and like humanoid-like robots. Um, And the interface to those nine times out of 10, even if you're talking about the kind of like Roomba vacuum cleaners, they're still kind of mini autonomous things that circulate around your house. And, you know, we saw Amazon announcing the Astro kind of robot and stuff like that. So it's something that is emerging where we are seeing the rise of like in-home robots. And I think that from a conversation design and an NLP perspective, this is something that I think more conversation designers are going to be working on as time goes on. So I'm certainly really curious to, to understand a little bit about how you've been approaching this kind of stuff. Maybe first we can, we can get into okay, just yeah. a little bit about 
what you do and and what Moxie is and all that kind of stuff, and maybe just explain for people who you are, what you do. Sure. Awesome. Yeah. Let's let's get started. Um, so I'm Stefan. Uh, my background's in computer science, and uh, particularly um, I've focused on machine learning in my studies, both as a as a student and as well as then um, as a PhD student uh, at the uh, university in Ulm uh, in Germany. And um, so what I was fascinated by was really kind of like using machine learning or neural networks to accomplish things that the human brain seems to be seemingly like trivial for the human brain, recognizing faces, understanding language, um, hearing tones and changes in the voice that then relate to emotion or possibly even well-being. Like when we hear someone who's depressed, we may actually have a hint that there's something going wrong or something that's not quite right. And so I wanted to see if we could uh, teach machines to kind of understand those kinds of nuances more easily. And and classical AI approaches with uh, zeros and ones didn't quite cut it. unfortunately. And and I think that's how uh, I got into machine learning Um, with a little bit of a stint in uh, Ireland uh, at Trinity College as a postdoc. I then ended up in in the U.S. at USC, the University of Southern California, where I joined the Institute for Creative Technologies. Um, At that institute, which is um, one of the forefronts and one of the leaders in in many um, areas, even like VR, so like um, uh, Palmer Lucky was a was an intern at at ICT before he founded Oculus, um, and uh, so ICT is really always at the forefront. And we, like one of the things that we built there was virtual humans, uh, virtual humans that are digital representations of humans with a face, with a body, with the ability to gesture and have facial expressions. And the reason for that was we wanted to go beyond like voice interfaces only with with disembodied voices like an alexa we wanted to have a face and a body so that people can relate people can build rapport with these systems because what we wanted to do is we wanted to tease out behaviors that are indicative of depression suicide risk um, or ptsd um, the the work that we did there was uh, often military funded. So the um, post-traumatic stress disorder is something that they were very interested in trying to understand um, soldiers that returned from the war theater, um, like how their um, um, minds and uh, souls have been impacted uh, by the atrocities that they may have seen. So that's that's how it all started. And about four years ago, I joined Embodied, um, a small startup uh, here in Los Angeles, um, as a, as the CTO, um, where my mission was really kind of applying all these things that I learned uh, during my research um, about uh, 10, 15 years, uh, and apply that to a robot, to um, a robot that interacts with children. So uh, Moxie was born, and uh, Moxie is a very cute little robot. It's about yay high, like 40 centimeters or something like that. Um, and uh, it uh, it interacts with children. Um, so it, it has to have these abilities that that we um, humans are, are like very used to, like the abilities to communicate very freely um, with your voice, with your facial expressions, with your gestures. So, so we had to build this technology that is able to interact naturally uh, with children and, and, 
as if you have children, uh, obviously, like you may um, know how difficult sometimes it is to even understand them. So, like I, I agree what you said earlier about deep gram, right? Like one of the things that that uh, can be challenging is, is uh, ASR for child speech, for example, as well. But so yeah, so we started off um, building that robot about four years ago. And we launched this year and we launched in March. So the robots are available uh, for purchase right now. Shameless plug here, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> Sorry for that. But, but basically uh, what the main technology, the main core technology that we focused on was this interaction technology. Like we wanted to be the main, the prime uh, company that builds the most uh, intuitive and most robust human robot interaction possible. And that ha is a very deep uh, conversational stack, um, but in, in particular, uh, it needed to be multimodal. So understanding facial expressions, understanding the tone of voice and the gestures in conjunction with uh, the language that we use. Um, because only then we can really disambiguate uh, all the meaning uh, and the intention um, that, that we perceive from the, from the user. Interesting. Um, there's, there's a few interesting things around there. I think before I ask around, um, I want to make the, make a note of this though, so I don't, uh, uh, so I don't forget it because it's quite, it's quite good. It's yeah, I, I won't allude to what it is, but uh, why the name Moxie out of interest? Yeah, we, we were we were doing quite a quite an intense uh, search for finding uh, the right name for um, our robot, and Moxie just turned out to be a really good uh, name for um, for a robot. We did some market research on it, but also like it's it it, it used to be an energy drink, I think, and it kind of like um, what what was really uh, exciting to us was like because you can say, oh, this guy or this, this, this gal has real moxie, right? Like <laughs> moxie is, a, is, a, is, is kind of like embodying this, this idea of like having moxie. Nice. Interesting. And so, and so the purpose of moxie is to help, uh, help children develop emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that correct? <clears throat> that is correct. And uh, so, so, I can I can give you the the the, the full spiel on that. Um, so so Moxie is designed uh, for social emotional learning. What we wanted to do is um, we wanted to build a robot that really kind of um, tackles the hardest things first. Um, I, Google X, the the moonshot factory at Google. I think it's only called X now, but. Um, they had a saying uh, or like a, like a concept where they say like, Oh, you have to do monkey first. Uh, monkey first in this sense is um, with uh, the explanation for it is like, if you want to build a monkey that recites Shakespeare on a pedestal, you don't start with the pedestal. You know how to build a pedestal. You start with the monkey. You need to figure out how to train the monkey to recite Shakespeare. That's the hard part, right? Mm. So what we wanted to do, we wanted to teach Moxie to have social emotional intelligence so uh, before we wanted to teach it STEM, for example, like STEM for a robot is trivial, like two plus two, like a robot can do that. It has a CPU, it, it, it's trivial to do, but, but for teaching a robot um, what happiness or what kindness means is much more difficult. It's, mm -hmm. much, it's, it's very weird. And, and, and how to express that also. So um, robots are multimodal input and output devices. Um, and so, so what we want to do with Moxie is, is not, we want 
we don't want to teach children how to interact with a robot. We don't want to teach children how to take the experiences that they have had with Moxie, uh, where they learn how to be kind, how to make friends, uh, and send them out into the world. Use Moxie as a springboard into life, like where they can then apply these skills in actual face-to-face human conversations and human human-to-human interactions. That's really the core idea of Moxie. So Moxie is not the destination. It's it's a it's a springboard into life, and, and that is really powerful. I think um, so. Um, we accomplished this uh, in in some ways. So 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 first of all, Moxie doesn't come into your life as as being a teacher or a like a sensei or a, or a professor. Moxie is actually a peer. It needs to learn from you how to be a good friend to humans. So that's its backstory. It comes into the world to learn. Um, and you are as a child, you are going to be assigned the mentor of this moxie so you are actually um, taking a pledge that you are actually wanting to teach moxie and and through the learning through the ability to teach moxie about these concepts you learn them yourselves so basically like teaching um, by teaching you kind of also learn so this is kind of like a design principle that we have applied Mm. and that that is really powerful. And so, so we have these missions that you do on a daily basis. So you interact with Moxie, uh, talk about things like emotions or kindness or trying to understand like, oh, what does that mean if my heart's beating faster? Like, oh, you may be nervous or like you have butterflies in your stomach. Like, what does that mean? Like, can you, can you explain these things to me? And then um, we ask children to then talk to their parents about these things or do some exercises by themselves, like um, draw something and bring it back and show it to Moxie. Um, yeah. So this, this is a, uh, the, the core idea. And I, I do see there's a, there's a question in the chat that's so Moxie is mm. for uh, the ages between five to 10. Uh, so it's that, that's the, um, the core uh, like age group that we're targeting. Interesting. There's, there's a few interesting things in there. That whole kind of, <clears throat> the whole concept of teaching first allows you to learn. That's that is yeah definitely a, a known design principle. But the, the other thing that is also present in there is a, a conversation design principle as well, which not everybody applies and utilizes, but one that I think works really well, which is introducing your assistant not as something that is all seeing all knowing and the single source of ultimate truth but in fact introducing them as a very naive toddler that needs Mm -hmm. to be taught a lesson and we'll do our best uh, but bear with me kind of thing and so rather than having your assistant as the all singing all dancing you immediately lower the expectations by saying you're going to help me get better in the meantime i'll help you as best i can sort of thing so so there's two really interesting principles even just from the outset that sounds really interesting yeah no uh, absolutely Uh, you you hit hit it on the head like this is uh, absolutely the right uh uh thing um so so and it, it like we actually use making mistakes as a as an opportunity to learn. So for example, um, these interactions with Moxie are actually quite different from an interaction with, with Alexa. So um, I like to say um, when you have a, an interaction with Moxie, um, you, you communicate with Moxie after waking up Moxie once with one wake word, you say like, hello Moxie, or you rub its belly and, and <laughs> Moxie wakes up. And, um, and you you have a conversation. You never use the wake word again. So you have a single wake word to interact with Moxie, and um, 
as you can imagine, like like we are right now having a a, a back and forth conversation that isn't necessarily a hundred percent accurate to call it like turn taking. Like I take a turn, you to turn. Like in 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 our conversation here, it it works quite well because this is like you know for for a video format, we would be stumbling over each other um, all the time because of the, the the signal delays and things like that. But but in a face to face conversation, and and particularly if you have multi party conversations where you have multiple people around the table, you interrupt each other all the time. Like there's like back and forth, and so the turn taking and the like when to speak and when to be quiet, those kind of uh, things are actually quite challenging. And and we have um, developed some some. Uh, uh, some AI technology that actually recognizes when we interrupt someone. It's not it's not super difficult to do so, but um, it is very difficult to maintain a very good um, turn taking uh, cadence and like uh, being able to um, interact and, and listen at the at the same time. But when we do interrupt the user, we actually take that as an opportunity to again show that it is okay to make mistakes and to 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 be a a, um, a good a uh, person about like making mistakes. So for example, like, oh, I'm sorry, I just um, interrupted you. Um, Moxie would be like uh, apologetic and, and say like, okay, um, I, I sometimes like still make these mistakes, but you know, like it's a good, it's a good thing to make mistakes. You learn from them, like over time, I'll get better and, and, and I'll, I'll try to, to make less mistakes in the future. But, but these are kind of like the ideas that we implemented there. Um, uh, so, so yeah, it is it is okay to mistake make mistakes, and it's particularly okay to make mistakes if you frame the conversations as like a learning opportunity rather than like I know everything, and so mm. you should listen to me, right? Mm, definitely, definitely. Um, there's 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 a question. I definitely want to get into some of these areas that you've been uh, touching on, which is around, you know how do you work out what facial expressions that go with the dialogue and all, all this kind of stuff? How do you teach a robot what happiness means? All this kind of stuff is, is super interesting. But now that you mentioned making mistakes is a good thing, this has been four years in the making. What mistakes did you make along the way and how has that resulted in a better end result ultimately? Yeah. Um, so, so we set out um, to uh, build the most intuitive human robot interaction platform possible and and on the way there um there you you run into so many possible issues uh and uh it like you can only learn from from actually finding out about those mistakes and like uh you know like move fast break things uh quickly um and and iterate right like I think the iteration speed is actually absolutely crucial and, and you need to turn and 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 test often and early i think that's the like the most crucial uh like way uh towards success so uh we made tons of mistakes so f- for example the turn taking um was very challenging in some uh in some cases where for example if if you if i think about the first times we 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 sent robots to um children's actual homes rather than in the in the lab in the studio um there is a TV on in the background. There is a mother on the phone. There is a little toddler, uh, baby brother or sister running around and, and screaming their dogs and stuff like that. So, so we had to teach Moxie really kind of like, okay, what does it mean to pay attention to focus on one individual? We needed to like recognize the individual. Oh, that's my mentor, main focus. 
don't get distracted by everything that's going on around you. Um, the hardware doesn't always work perfectly. So, for example, if you if you think about the the blue ring on an Alexa, when you say the the wake word, it doesn't always like in particular when it stands next to the wall, it doesn't always point in your direction uh, mm-hmm. where you had set the wake word from. But it sometimes goes the opposite side or like even like the weirder angles. And so this happens all the time in in these uh, devices. And so we had to learn how to deal with these uncertainties. Um, and and I think the you can plan for it, but but you always I think you have to test and test and test, and like over time you get like really a good feeling for like how to uh, not make these uh, mistakes in the future. Um, some of the the main uh, like issues that we ran into right away was we have this robot, so it wakes up. Um, and, and from the very first moment, it does not give you a, a manual. It does not tell you what you have to do. There's no wake words or like after you wake it up, like, it's, like it, it's, it's in full engagement mode. It communicates right from the beginning. People start asking it anything. <laughs> People go on and like ask Moxie, like, what is this? Like, how do you, like, what do you think is, uh, who's going to be the next president? Things like that, right? And Moxie doesn't know anything about these things. <laughs> and we, we deliberately didn't want it to be um, like um, um, a transactional interaction like you have with an Alexa or with a Siri. Um, we wanted it to be conversational. So, Moxie, right off the bat, like sometimes ran into these fallback situations where we just like, sorry, I don't understand what you're asking me. And and so we had to kind of like redo um, how we do the Fatui, uh, what we call the, um, the, it's a first time user experience. And really that was incredibly crucial. We had to redo that a bunch of times to get it right so that it's both intuitive uh, and it looks like it's alive. Uh, it's a it's a character that comes into your home that that immediately gets gets your your heart beating and like you you get excited uh, to have this new uh, companion in your home so that was a, a lot of work there um and and like uh really kind of building upon um the technology that's on the robot and then augmenting that technology with the ability to to leverage large neural networks in the cloud and really connecting that uh, is was going was key to to having the ability to respond to any type of question um, that may come up um, and to to be able to um, like deal with with uh, with these challenging situations. But yeah, like a lots lots of errors and mistakes on the way. But uh, it's it's tough uh, if you don't have a quick iteration speed. I think that's absolutely crucial to make a product like this uh, come to life. Mm-hmm. Another crucial lesson there, I think, is as anyone who's worked with, uh, I think it's more complex in your instance because you've not just got a conversational interface, but you've also got hardware, uh, and you're not just yeah. got hardware, but you've got a multimodal interface, and so the, it's just compounded in terms of the complexity. But for anyone who has designed, for example, a, a voice assistant experience or a voice bot in a call center or even a chatbot, to be honest, you really only start learning when you actually put it in front of someone, and so the earlier you, you put it in front of someone, the the quicker you find out what actually needs to be done <laughs> and so it exactly. sounds as though you kind of took that kind of similar approach of getting it out there getting it in front of people figure out what the actual realistic issues are and let's let's kind of iterate from there um you kind of alluded to the answer to this question but i'll throw it in there anyway a question from miguel uh shout out to miguel mm-hmm. costa because he was on last night's broadcast answering some good questions asking some good questions as well uh so 
you alluded to cloud connectivity and that kind of stuff. So the question for Miguel yeah. is, do you do all of your kind of NLP, speech recognition, natural language understanding, et cetera, on Moxie, the device, or does it require an internet connection? So uh, the TLDR is that it requires an internet connection. Um, but uh, let me go a little bit into detail. So um, there are a few things that, that need to be considered. So for us to be able to build rapport with and, and like an artificial being as well as like with a with an actual like other human um it is important that we have the ability to kind of connect um and to have a, a sense act loop that is very quick um it cannot have like a delay of three to four seconds and so on um be engaged as an interaction um and this sense act loop that uh, basically goes from uh perceiving um uh, a gesture or um, a voice input, a language input, uh, to understanding uh, that input and interpreting it, uh, to then uh, plan uh, a, a reaction, um, a uh, like a like a response, and then producing that response uh, on a multimodal output device like Moxie uh, as a robot. Uh, that loop needs to be like a second or less. And so what we did is we did a couple of things. So first of all, our ASR is, is fully uh, uh, streaming into the cloud. Um, and we, we do partial uh, speech recognition so that we get incremental input very quickly and we can interpret and predict what the intent is going to be on the fly. So we can respond very quickly. We do that both on the robot. So we have a, our dialogue stack both on the robot as well as uh, in the cloud, they talk to each other, they communicate with each other. If the uh, less powerful, because the, the, the robot runs with a, with, a, with a small chip, it doesn't have a GPU. Um, our, our robot needs to be manufactured fairly uh, cheaply because we, we didn't want to sell it like uh, a pepper from SoftBank that cost like $30,000 or something like that. We wanted to sell this to consumers and, and, and we wanted to be, have it um, be close to $1,000, right? Um, so it needed to be cheap um, in, in manufacturing as well. So the, 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 the CPU um, on the robot doesn't have very powerful uh, abilities um, after it's rendering and simulating the face, uh, uh, synthesizing the voice, et cetera. All of these things happen on the robot, but we couldn't do everything. So, so the automatic speech recognition happens in the cloud. And then we have this uh, uh, separate uh, NLP stack that it is in the cloud and leverages these large transformer networks um, that help us understand what the intention is and then produce uh, meaningful responses in case our local um, NLP on the robot doesn't know what to do. So that's kind of like the way we, we treat this. Um, now, sometimes the, the cloud gets delayed uh, with the response and the robot uh, locally doesn't know what to do. So we would play like a, hmm, like a, like a thinking animation, things like that, that just like bridge the gap between uh, these these moments uh, where you would think, I would need a response right now, but I don't quite have it yet. So we mask it through kind of like these these natural ways of, of communicating for uh, humans, like uh, putting in a, a thinking gesture or like a um like a uh, like a delay um, with a with a um, pause filler. Uh, but yeah, so so it is definitely uh, both on device as well as in the cloud. But um, it, it for like making it modern and making it really 
snappy and quick to respond, you need to go um, a similar route where you have something that runs on the robot itself that responds very quickly, but it probably is going to be limited. So, so you want to augment it with with some smart choices that that uh, or some some smart augmentations that are running in the cloud. Mm. Interesting. Uh, so, there's there's a, there's a lot to get into as far as kind of. I mean, this is this is like the technical infrastructure, but like on top of that, you've actually got the conversations themselves and the things that Moxie can do and the capabilities that it, that it has. And you mentioned there in terms of you didn't really want to answer in weather questions, and so the, the, there's obviously obviously like a scope of capabilities that it can uh, that it can that it can handle. So one is almost like a a strategy piece in terms of defining what those things are. But then the other piece is the tactical actual designing of those interactions in terms of how do you pair the facial expressions with the dialogue, that kind of stuff. So I wonder whether we can start from the from the first part as far as the kind of like product strategy side. How did you approach defining what Moxie should even do in the first place? Like what conversations should it have and why? Yeah. And or how, how did you approach that initial sort of figuring out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... Uh, it, it all started off with basically, uh, so Embodied is a very diverse company with very diverse backgrounds. Uh, we have uh, therapists on staff uh, and uh, we have um, child uh, content experts on staff that have uh, written uh, children's books, made computer games, things like that. So, um, so it was really um, through these dialogues with those individuals that like, kind of like understanding, okay, what would be the best things for Moxie to be able to do to do to, and like uh, reinforce um, social emotional learning. So how, how can we get a curriculum going that helps children uh, the most? And so we, so we had uh, built out these concepts of um, like what types of activities and I, like, you know, um, there are uh, these missions that I mentioned it could be drawing activities. Uh, we have reading exercises where we uh, choose books for a book club. We uh, recommend parents to buy these books um, from Amazon or whatever. Like we don't get any commission for anything of those, uh, that, that yeah. sort, but basically, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but uh but those books would be like growth mindset books where, um, you know, there are important lessons in there and Moxie would then uh, have curated content to talk about these uh, um, experiences, these lessons that, that could be learned from the book uh, in, uh, in the content. Uh, and uh, we do meditation exercises or breathing exercises to calm a kid down. We have fun experiences like dancing and stuff like that. So we had to build this, human robot interaction system, we call it social X. So it stands for social experience. So it, it, it um, allows you to use your natural modes of communication, your voice, your, your face and your gestures uh, to interact with the system. Um, and it needs to be robust enough for all these types of activities. And so we need to kind of understand what context we're in. If we're in a dancing activity, hey, let's not expect anyone to respond within two seconds because they're probably running around and dancing and stuff like that. So, so we, we really heavily uh, leverage the context uh, in our, um, in our uh, world model and, and the expectations that Moxie has. Um, and and so, so that's how we came up with like these, these creative activities and, and kind of created these, the, the curriculum that works for Moxie. But then uh, we also realized that there's like an, a very, um, important need for just having freeform conversations. So we added um, 
a Moxie chat module um, where you can basically chat about anything with Moxie. Uh, Moxie sometimes has some topics that it wants to talk about, like maybe, for example, it wants to talk about space or robots themselves. It wants to hear your thoughts. It wants to exchange, uh, you know, um, ideas. And, and those are um, really free form uh, communication where there's, there's absolutely like the, the entire natural language generation is done uh, with neural networks. While a lot of times um, when I'm, I'm saying like we, we do have these missions or we have like breathing exercises, those are curated modules where we have handwritten the, 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 the language dialogue um, uh, in, 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 uh, um, with, with therapists as, as uh, our um, like uh, uh, editors and uh, for, for designers and things like that. So, so it, it's kind of like a mix between having um, like more streamlined, more like uh, uh, on the rails content that is social emotional learning as well as like uh, freeform content. The trick though is um, being able to move between those two forms and, and we have the, the freeform interactions everywhere in the content. It happens like at, at many, many uh, different occasions. Um, so for example, like, uh, how do you author a response to a question like, what does kindness mean? So we developed a technology and it's very similar to um, um, uh, Alexa skills um, where you can say anything to that and, and Moxie would understand the concept of kindness and respond to it. So for example, um, I always use this example. If, if Moxie asks like, what, um, what does kindness mean? I, I usually say donate a hundred dollars to a puppy shelter. That's a kind thing to do, but like, <laughs> no one can think of all the answers that are possibly kind. So Moxie would then say, oh yeah, I think that's a kind thing to do. Um, and uh, so we had to come up with all these kinds of technologies that, that you know, are very similar to, to um, uh, Alexa skill recognition and, and stuff like that. But so it's like related to few shot learning and, and things like that. Um, but basically uh, this, is, this is sort of like, um, those, those were like some of the, 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 the challenges that we identified over the time when we, when we had initially just had these, these on the rails conversations or interaction uh, like activities. But basically the, 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 the real trick is going between those uh, seamlessly with, without you knowing, like you're, you're now uh, talking to something that's on the rails versus you, you're talking freeform with a, with a, uh, with a, like a robot. Uh, and, and so uh, some of the, the things that we ran into, like, you know, initial testing, if you use some, some off-the-shelf um, transformer model and you just chat with it, it would make persona violations all the time, right? <laughs> um, and and you, can, you can imagine that we're talking with children, right? Like, so so it, it, it can go pretty dark very quickly. So we needed to put in safeguards too, right? So, so um, there, there are thousands of moxies out there and children are interacting with them on a daily basis and we haven't heard anything yet. So, you know, knock on wood, but um, basically that, that was a, a huge challenge for us too. Interesting. There's so much to this. And I think, you know, the more that you talk, the, the <laughs> kind of more, the more there is to it than you realize from persona design to that kind of flexible uh, conversation management in terms of like, you know, taking someone from a generalized conversation about nothing to recognizing a topic that Moxie actually has content on to then yeah. throwing them into a, almost like a staged piece of content around part of the curriculum, but then being able to navigate back out of that back into small talk. And it's very, very complex stuff that very few 
bots out there can actually do. Even even in a very simple um, experience, like obviously there are technologies that do, that do this pretty well, but but typical implementations don't. Which is like let's say for example, if you're I don't know a more transactional customer service chatbot, yeah. and you're in the middle of a conversation about returns, and all of a sudden someone throws a question in there about like uh, you know is there anything on sale today, or you know maybe it's not as hard context switching as that, but something that's not really related to the conversation. A lot of bots have trouble with, and so. It's interesting how you're kind of approaching that, that like yeah, that concept of taking small yeah. talk into defined curriculum. It's even interesting how you've actually defined uh, a curriculum. It's not just like, you know, I would think that it's a little bit sort of like, oh, let's just all knock our heads together and create something engaging for kids. But fundamentally, it's trying to solve an actual problem. It's trying to actually educate and teach them skills. And so this whole, even just the concept of having an actual curriculum is is an interesting concept as well. Yeah, and and basically, uh, and, and thanks for like you know um, summarizing it so well. And and I, I need to give a huge shout out to the team. Like the this this has been a, a phenomenal endeavor, and and it's it's been a, a lot of work, and it would not have been possible without like a, a fully dedicated, amazing team that is very interdisciplinary. As I mentioned, like we have like. Um, about you know, forty percent of our uh, organization is uh, focused on um, content design and creation, and then about sixty percent is uh, technology, both hardware, software, etc. Um, but there's it's a it's a very diverse uh, team that has been fully dedicated to this mission, right? Like it, it's a, it's it has been a phenomenal amount of work to do, um, and um, it it's really like uh, in in a sense. Um, the the challenges that we have with this, right? Like and and like any other company that that uh, is you know in the business of making content uh, is is scaling, right? Like uh, so so we we didn't just um, end at okay, like we we need to have uh, designers that write a lot of content. No, we needed to build tools that allow them to quickly and efficiently design these interactions. So we we basically. Um, uh, had to build our own um, dialogue flow uh, tools and things like that uh, that that work with our uh, multimodal input output uh, system that we have uh, that that allow uh, for um, designers to identify areas where you want to rely on on um, the uh, neural network driven NLU or um, more of a you know um, uh, like crude, crudely speaking. Uh, um, uh, regular expression-based, uh, you know, kind of uh, type of uh, NLU in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, so that that was that was a, a is, is a huge endeavor, and like I think uh, there's there's a there's really a lot to Moxie, and and even building out a backstory of like where does Moxie come from? Who are the char uh, the, the characters that are um, from uh, Moxie's past? Who's the creator for Moxie? Like for for example. Um, so, so Moxie comes from the Global Robotic, Robotics Laboratory, the GRL. Um, it's it's a fictitious place, obviously, <laughs> right? But we get letters from children, and like they um, when when their parents call into customer support, uh, some we had children asking like, "Oh, can I talk to the engineers at the Global Robotics Laboratory because I want to <laughs> tell them." thank you i want to tell them what they could make better <laughs> so we had wow. our customer support uh, folks um talk with children <laughs> tell them they're from global robotics 
<laughs> but it's it's phenomenal. It's just a, a really fun experience. Yeah. Wow, that is wicked. That is so good. Um, that, <laughs> there's there's a whole bunch of design considerations here, and and I, I can see Miguel's next question. We'll get to that in a moment. But maybe let's start with the the higher level. Um, kind of design principles around you've alluded to it already personality mm-hmm. so so before you even think about designing a conversation with multimodal kind of features and this and the other fundamentally you're placing a being robotic or otherwise into a house that's got a face that's got expressions that's going to be engaging with kids that's going to be educational this is one of those areas where creating a personality is absolutely unavoidable. And in fact, it's probably arguably speaking one of the the most important parts because you need to create a relationship. You need to generate engagement that's sustained over time. And and over time, I don't mean a 10 minute conversation. I mean, over the course of the months and years it's used for. So where do you start with, with creating a personality for something like this? Uh, so, so we have a phenomenal uh, creative team, and and like that was some of the the individuals there were literally um, coming up with with this this entire backstory and like the the, the evolution of Moxie. So, for example, um, Moxie wakes up the the moment he wakes up. It's like wow, that was a long journey. It's like great to be out of this box finally, right? And um, and so so it it really. Uh, it's it starts there, right? Like that's the 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 very first moment that Moxie wakes up. But Moxie's like, hold on, where am I? Like this is not a place I know. Like who are you? Are you my mentor? Like stuff like that. So so basically, it it comes out like it has a bunch of questions. Um, it is also like it it comes out and is is kind of shy. It's like not quite sure yet what to think of you. And over time, like with the with the the the, the time, the, the interactions that you have with Moxie, there's really this red th- uh, the thread through these interactions where Moxie kind of like becomes a, a little bit uh, more open to you. It, it shares more more intimate things uh, or thoughts uh, with you. It gets a bit more, um, you know. Uh, uh, like so, we have this dance module, and and in the beginning, like Moxie would would say. Um, I've never danced in front of anyone. So like if you dance in front of me, I'll dance in front of you. Like let's mm-hmm. let's try to see how we can uh work this out and 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 like overcome this kind of um um you know caution or like this 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 you know like lightweight shame or something like that. I don't know mm-hmm. uh, the right word in, in English, but but basically like those those kind of considerations like that they had come in and like it, it's ingrained in into Moxie's um, uh, backstory and the and the way uh, the content evolves over time and and un- unfolds. Uh, but into this like kind of uh, you know mostly handwritten uh, kind of like uh, character persona development that that Moxie has, uh, we need to um, weave in um, the ability to individualize to someone someone. Uh, some children uh, are not yet old enough to know how to read. So we would have to recognize that. Uh, or uh, some children have trouble uh, enunciating um, words clearly enough for the automatic speech recognition to recognize uh, their words properly. So we should not um, then basically rely on a full uh, NLG uh, or like f- uh, full neural uh, natural language generation to to respond to that because it can become nonsensical, right? So, so we need to kind of like uh, work 
through those uh, individual uh, requirements and kind of like have the, the, the content both be uh, like with this with this development of Marx's persona and, and character, um, but then also be like um, sensitive enough to be able to kind of uh, uh, adjust and, and individualize to a child. Uh, so we have um, a whole bunch of like um, accessibility features that are uh, available to both uh, Moxie to enable as well as for the parents to select for their child uh, in a, in a pre-set up. So for example, uh, Moxie can have a slower response or a slower speech uh, setting um, for children um, that may need a little bit more time to respond to difficult questions. Uh, we have a way to turn down some of our emotions, some of our uh, animations and, and sound effects for uh, sensory uh, sensitive uh, children as well. So things like that, like it, it had to be um, designed into um, Moxie right from the start. I think that that, that persona development is incredibly crucial. Mm, it's such an interesting observation that because most of the time, the persona, the personality, if you think about designing something like a voice assistant or a voice user interface for an app or, you know, a call center assistant or something like that, most of the time, the person, the personality is there for kind of experiential effect. And mm -hmm. the, the conversation itself is going to be confined to what the conversation is because that's based on the needs of the customer. And so, you want to make that experience as best as it possibly can. So you create the persona to help the user either use the thing a bit better or help create a more positive experience, help maybe differentiate the experience from other similar kind of things. Um, and then also to, to get consistency. So if, if, if someone calls versus uses your chatbot versus whatever, there's right. consistency around the language and all that kind of stuff. And so typically the personality, although it's something that you start with and it is quite strategic and related to the brand and the use case and the customer goals and stuff like that, it is still a strategic tool, but most of the time it's a layer on top of what exists already. Mm -hmm. Whereas hearing you explain about the personality of Moxie, it's a rare instance, and maybe this is a difference between designing simply a conversational interface versus designing for a physical thing that has different input modalities, yeah. which is that the personality definition leads to features and functions that need to be created because that's the kind of thing that moxie would have that's the kind of person moxie is it would adapt <clears throat> excuse me to people who can't read yet it would adapt to people with certain speech uh you know um, i don't want to use the word immature because inevitably the child so they are but kids who haven't fully formed speech yet or whatever it might be moxie's personality is such that it would adjust to that and so therefore do you see what i'm getting at the personality definition then yeah. some in some cases defines the feature and the technical capabilities that it needs to have rather than yeah. being a layer over the top of it yeah that is, that's a that's a great observation i think i think that's uh that's quite accurate and i haven't i haven't thought about it that way uh um myself uh but but yeah like that that was, uh is is certainly uh a differentiation i think and um uh yeah moxie's personality is just um it it is like it drives what what it does, what 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 Moxie's uh, desires are, what Moxie's um, you know abilities are, and and how it it reacts to um, uh, you as a as an individual interacting with it. Yeah. Mm, interesting. So 
beyond the personality, uh, this is we've got another question from mm-hmm. from Miguel. You're taking multimodal communication to a new level, uh, not just communicating with sound and verbal, but also with facial expressions and gestures. How was that process? How hard was it to mix all of those communication formats? And maybe you can uh, allude to some of the maybe yeah. best practice considerations for for creating something like that. Yeah, um, I think, um, and and thank you, uh, like for for the the question and the the comment um, on on the multimodal uh, communication. And, and I think the it, it's it is incredibly important to um, really uh, like when you have an interaction with another human being, like it's not just the words that we're interested in, and and both um, it shouldn't just be the words um, that we respond to, and like with. Uh, uh, just words, but we, we like multimodal uh, communication helps us disambiguate. It helps us be more clear about like the things that we are uh, trying to say. So, um, and, and Mox's interface is, is still like largely uh, voice driven, um, but we augment our understanding of what's going on with uh, the understanding of like the, the voice and the facial expressions. So we kind of um, try to leverage uh, these additional uh, multimodal inputs to better understand, to better disambiguate, and then also to uh, produce more empathetic responses uh, in and the output uh, as well. So Amoxie is incredibly expressive with its face as well as its voice. So the, the voice, for example, has... Uh, five or six different registers. Um, so you can have a very intimate voice can have a very motivating voice and a, and a very happy voice and, and, a, a, um, and a sad voice as well. So, so um, these, these things were really important to us so that we can react to when a child is sad with an empathetic response where Moxie changes its facial expressions, it changes its voice, it changes its body posture, um, as well as the amplitude of the gestures that it would use uh, to be more... Um, uh, empathetic to uh, the child's needs and and like create this bond right this this long term uh, relationship so i think um balancing the these things is incredibly important and and as i mentioned like in the sense act loop um you need to uh like really consider both sides of the coin where you have the input that is multimodal, but then you have to be able to produce that output uh, that is multimodal. So if you were asking like kind of what is the mix um, and like percentages, I would say that the verbal input is still about 80% of our um, communicative uh, understanding in Moxie. Uh, but then like these additional 20%, I think um, can be quite crucial. They may, it may be fairly subtle to recognize, um, but but they're there. They um, so they for example allow Moxie to smile back at you um, when you smile at Moxie, uh, mm-hmm. or like it, it can mimic your facial expressions uh, to some extent, uh, where you know it makes sense for Moxie to to show um, understanding of your emotions, um, and so those kind of kind of um, uh, things are, are quite. Uh, important and, and like it, it's it's very subtle to to kind of like tune that uh properly um and uh as as you all know uh in this this community with um a heavy focus on natural language 
Um, I think that uh, our technology is definitely most advanced in that natural language part uh, where disambiguating and understanding meaning uh, from verbal input is still the furthest uh, along um, rather than uh, you know facial expressions which can also be quite expensive to compute on a, on a robot and one of the things that um, uh, like relates to the question that Miguel had earlier um, the while the NLP and NLU leverages the cloud our computer vision does not everything that Moxie sees is processed on the robot and that was a very important consideration for child privacy um, so we did not want to have any video uh, streaming to the internet, um, to the cloud. And we wanted to make sure that only the video, that the video gets only processed, um, on the robot itself. Mm, interesting. That's very good. That's, uh, it's interesting because it's almost like I can see an, an, a progression of the conversation design community where it is now. And the, mm. the kind of like, uh, that sort of like designing conversation interfaces that's beginning to become a, a little bit more about multimodal design. We're seeing a lot of talk about multimodal design, less actual application of it, but certainly as people start to voice enable more apps where you've got touch yeah. and, 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 and uh, voice, you've got more screen enabled devices and things like that definitely i think this multimodal element is going to become a huge role of a conversation designer's job you see some of the stuff that nvidia have put out there around their in-car voice assistants with gears detection and stuff like that uh, and i know that uh, you know mycroft has been doing that kind of thing for a while and, and amazon now i think even recognizes when you look at the device with the screen yeah. so inevitably Multimodal design, I think, is going to become more um, uh, more kind of apparent in this community. But what I liked is your kind of phrasing of it, not of multimodal design or of conversation design, but of social experience design, social X or SX. It could be abbreviated too, although you might want to uh, might want to pull back <laughs> from that on speech recognition engines because <laughs> it might get uh, construed as something that it shouldn't be. But uh, it's interesting how it's, for me, that's the first time I've heard that. So this is almost like a an emergent of a combination of yeah. conversation design plus user experience design in order to specifically design for these social creatures, should we say? Yeah, and, and SocialX is really like the, the main technology piece that we've built and it, it includes all these uh, abilities of recognizing what is going on around me. Like, who is here? Where am I? Um, like, how many people are there? Where is my main person that I need to follow? Like, who are the other people? Do I know? like them are they assistants are they um parents are they sisters are they uh, brothers and, and and so on um uh, as well as like the ability to respond and to to have um an individualization uh, capability of like okay this individual i need to s respond slower because that's what i learned um from our past experiences uh things like that so that that's like really like the, the the main focus of, of our technology stack at Embody was really like developing this technology platform, Social X, as you as you mentioned, um, and kind of like making it uh, like a platform where where we're allowed as humans to uh, behave like we usually interact with others, uh, like use our natural abilities and not be forced to adapt. Uh, ourselves to interact with that system to start having to use a wake word. It's not very natural to say a wake word to uh, like 
Kane, da 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 da. Kane, da 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 da. That doesn't make sense. Like that is not how we interact. And it would be terrible if we taught children how that 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 is the the right mode of interaction. So we really refrain had to refrain from that. We we wanted to make this as natural as possible, so that it is actually the onus of the robot to adapt to us rather than the other way around. Um, my hands were not necessarily made by evolution to type on a, on a keyboard. The, like I adapt to the keyboard. I adapt to using a mouse or a trackpad with my, with my hands because I'm a human. I can, I can learn and adjust to that, but it's not a very natural way of interacting with a machine. So social access really the, the idea of like, can we come up with a technology platform and like right now, Yes, somebody started it, but I think there's a lot of other companies, as you mentioned, like with Amazon, et cetera, that are focusing on these new um, new ways of like adapting the machine to the humans uh, rather than the other way around. And I think that is going to be um, very crucial going forward and uh, into the future. And, and like with, with uh, all these uh, uh, both virtual um friends that we're going to make on the metaverse as well as the the real friends uh, that uh, like uh, um, moxie like astro in the in the homes and so many other robots that um will come after this as well nice and congratulations for getting 57 minutes in without mentioning metaverse that's something somewhat <laughs> unusual for a technology <laughs> podcast <laughs> Uh, right. Yeah, inter- that's that's wicked. That, what, what I suspect I know the. I appreciate we're a little bit over on time. One final question is, uh, I suspect I know the direction that you might answer this in. But in terms of your, I'd be interested in getting your general observations on the the kind of the the world as it is today, as far as in home robotics are concerned. Any mm-hmm. any kind of notable trends that you're seeing, or any kind of observations that you have around future trajectory and stuff like that. Yeah, I think. Um... A notable trend, which which is very exciting to me, is that um, you know after uh, after Jibo um, had uh, unfortunately um, ceased uh, to exist, uh, it, the the social robotics field was a little bit uh, tarnished by um, by kind of like these these past. Uh, failures in a sense uh, i i'm i'm excited that um investors are picking it back up because i think it is incredibly important embodiment is incredibly powerful it can it can change the way we perceive these machines uh we um it changes the way we uh, perceive these these artificial beings um and and it it fires up different areas in our uh in our brains that that uh, a flat screen or a disembodied voice just does not do. Um, so, so I think it's very important. And in particular, I think in, in areas where you want to do social emotional learning, where you want to um, counteract things like loneliness in elderly care and stuff like that. So I think uh, social robotics uh, with, with other companies, like for example, uh, intuition robotics, uh, as well as um, uh, Amazon. Uh, and i I'm sure many others, and I'm sorry that um, I don't remember all of them, but um, but I, I think that social, oh yeah, Furhat, uh, my friends mm. in, in Sweden, of course, mm. as well. Um, those, those companies are doing a phenomenal job at developing um, social interactions with robots um, that make such a, um, a, a difference in, in how we interact with these systems. So I think it, it is at, on the rise. Um, I think one of the main things that, um, or one of the main reasons why, for example, Jibo didn't, didn't stick 
was it didn't really have that killer purpose. Um, it came out about at the same time as Alexa, but the price point was just so different. It did very similar things to Alexa. Mm-hmm. So, so Alexa just really basically destroyed the market for Jibo because the price difference and, and the, the, the real um, purpose wasn't necessarily uh, present. So, so we are um, trying with Moxie to, to have a very clear purpose. We want to do social emotional learning for children. Intuition Robotics does um, help elderly uh, to remember uh, um, their, um, their uh, schedule for, for medication. Um, they try to contract uh, loneliness, things like that. Furhat has very, very specific uh, and like uh, uh, functions, uh, for example, with the Deutsche Bahn or other uh, organizations as a, as a kiosk and, and things like that, as a multilingual um, um, kiosk where you can ask for information, things like that. So very, very purpose-driven. I think that's important um, for robots to get sticky, um, to for people to actually uh, interact with them um, more, to, to uh, buy them uh, and to kind of trust them more mm. uh, and I think there's a there's a big um, uh, like not necessarily a social robotics market but it, it's a, there's a big purpose driven uh, robots market um, that I, th- I think is is uh, alive and well uh, including um, Roomba uh, and floor cleaning robots but also uh, robots that will take uh, um, assisted living to the next level where um, they can help you out of bed into a bathtub, uh, out of the bathtub, things like that. I think that robots will have all these purposes. I think it will start off with fairly narrow purposes, like fetch and uh, uh, retrieve something uh, um, uh, for for an elderly person that maybe um, needs some uh, help, uh, you know, walking around the apartment, stuff like that. Uh, but I think there's like clearly a market coming and, and social robotics from my perspective is most interesting because it seems the most difficult um, and uh, because human communication is so difficult uh, and, you know, industrial robots have been around for many years, but that is really trivial, like repetitive tasks that, mm-hmm. that have to be done precisely. That's what a robot is for. Uh, but like really imagining and having creative uh, startups developing this next generation of, of how we interact with robots, I think is, uh, is crucial and, and is alive and well. And, and I'm, I'm excited about the, the competition for, for embodied and I'm excited for embodied for being, uh, such a, such a fantastic innovator, uh, in this space. Wicked. Well, Stefan, this has been absolutely fantastic. It's been, honestly, I think that, you know, Amazon Alexa and stuff, I think we can say that, you know, maybe Jibo was mistimed. Those devices have certainly got people comfortable with having voice-enabled devices yeah. in the home. And I think that, and controlling other robotics like Roombas and stuff like that. And so I think timing-wise, it seems to me as though it's a perfect opportunity because one of the, you know, one of the good use cases for the Alexa devices is child entertainment and, and stuff like that. So I think that there the seems to me to be some decent signs there and it sounds from speaking to you in terms of the way that you've approached it one from the personality perspective two from the curriculum perspective three from the technology and flexibility around the conversation design perspective and four from the multimodal kind of human-like interaction side of things it seems to me as though it's a 
a really really sound idea and and, and I'll, I'll put the link here on the on the screen i've just been on the website to find out where it is and there's actually 200 dollars <laughs> off so i don't want to do your job for you stefan but you can save 200 dollars <laughs> if you go now <laughs> um and you can get awesome. that at uh, embodied.com forward slash products forward slash buy dash moxie dash robot i have to say it doesn't really read well for a podcast i reckon there needs to be a moxie.code domain name bought or something like that <laughs> But it's it's exactly. on sale. It's on sale right now. It looks like uh, so. Do check it out. And it's, thank you very much, Stefan. It's been absolutely fantastic. Is there Thanks any other so any any other areas that you'd point people? Any other kind of links? Or if people want to reach out or anything like that? Any other areas where you'd recommend people go and uh, learn a bit more? Yeah, uh, absolutely. You can find me on LinkedIn. Would be excited to uh, talk more. Um, you can reach me uh, at uh, Embodied. Um, we're uh, like. We have our, our website, which may be a little bit easier to digest, like embodied.com. That's, that should hopefully be enough to find where you can buy the robot if you can reach me. Um, but yeah, I would be excited to continue the conversation. And thank you so much for, for having me, Kane. No worries. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for being our uh, final final guest of the show for 2021. It's been an immense what year. We've seen, yeah, yeah, we've seen absolutely all sorts happen, and uh, it's been a crazy, crazy year. So thank you very much for for spending the last episode with me. Thank you everyone for joining. If whether you're on LinkedIn, YouTube, or the podcast, or even Twitter, there's actually going out on Twitter as well. I, I always forget about Twitter. Um, but yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Shout out to Deep Gram for sponsoring uh, the latter part of this year, uh, and do do not forget to check out Deep Gram if. If you uh, have a need for speech recognition technologies and if you're not already subscribed then please do visit vux.world forward slash subscribe for all of our up and coming events podcasts and industry analysis to keep you up to speed on the emerging field of conversational ai voice ai and nlp how to design it how to implement it and how to do it properly uh, and so for 2021 i think all that is left to say is have a very very merry christmas have a very pleasant new year and we'll see you in 2022 stefan Merry Christmas and all the best. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Nice one. Thank you. Bye now.